Welcome back, everybody. I'm Alistair Wilcock with Revue.io and this week's RevOps podcast. Here with me is Howard Brown, CEO and founder of Revio, and also our special guest for this two-part series, Ray Wright, founder and CEO of RevOps Square. And also, we're very excited to talk about the new SaaS metrics board that he is developing and bringing to market as well. Ray, Howard, so happy to have you both here. Fabulous to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to this conversation. Now, gentlemen, I want to start today with a flashback history lesson. I don't want to go back 124 years ago to 1898. Mm. In 1898, Elias St. Elmo Lewis, who was famous because he actually was the first that developed the model to map the customer buyer journey. And this was actually used against a four-stage sales process that many movie buffs may remember from the infamous scene of Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where he max, maps out A-I-D-A, IADA. And while we joke about that clip in B2B sales and marketing, and we joke about that in the world of, of all of how we create revenue these days in terms of always be closing, the attention components of IADA and all of those things, the reality is that methodology was a real thing. A real thing from, from over 100 years ago. And when I think of what I did at Gartner and all of the RevOps research and all of those things that have happened and the benchmarks we saw, Ray, what you've seen, it is amazing to me how often people actually haven't evolved much off of the metrics that they use. They actually don't know right, the benchmarks are of what is a modern SaaS company, a modern tech company, a modern growth company. So today in this two-part series, I want to pick your brains and really talk about what are the right benchmarks, the right key performance indicators of building a high growth company. Ray, let's start with you. You, you are leading the world in some of this research. You know, what's, what's some of the biggest challenges you're picking up on out there right now when people think about benchmarking and, and building a good model for a SaaS company? Well, my always be closing days. I, I'm remembering those from Glengarry Glenn Ross when it was okay to show that video during a sales training in the 1990s. But um, you know, I actually believe it starts with almost organizational structure. And you might ask, why is that? So we talk a lot about the chief revenue officer. Then we talk about operationalizing this integrated go-to-market strategy with revenue operations. But with all due respect, in over 50% of companies, the CRO is a glorified title for the head of sales, and revenue operations is often just a, a elevated sales operations group. So I think it starts, Alistair, with we still have a definitional um, issue of mm -hmm. what the CRO is responsible for and what revenue operations assist with. Yeah, and, and Howard, I agree completely there, Ray. And Howard, you interface with as many CROs as anyone I know of in the world today. What do you think when you hear Ray hear, say that about the CROs? Like, what, what counsel would you give them around this evolution that we're going through right now? Well, look, it is just that. It's an evolution and, and quite possibly a revolution, right? Because at the end of the day, it's really the buyers. We all need to be concerned about less and less of our selling process, our our, our marketing process, support process, how do we best serve our customers? And I think a lot of organizations today are, to raise points, slapping the title on 
But as you and I have spoken over the last three or four years, Alistair, it involves both data changes, governance, and tooling, right? And you can't just have one of those pieces, right? So how do we look at an organization and start to create a, a governance where we're actually giving our chief revenue officers the mandate that they can in, in fact, both live and govern across marketing, sales, support, and success, and combine those pieces, those disparate pieces of data that live in silos to start answering the questions of how do we attract the right customers? How do we close the right deals? How do we make sure our customers are successful? How do we make sure that we're getting the type of retention that we expect and so on. So I, I agree with Ray fully. Yeah. And, and so let's break this apart today for the audience, right? Let's start with how do we think through that organization? Is the, you know, this is, as you're both pointing out, a revolution. And this is the classic scenario of the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Everybody loves the concept of RevOps. But when it comes into, well, hold on, I'm now going to take sales, marketing, customer success, I'm going to take these, what a very important function in my business. I'm going to start to create common frameworks, common metrics across those common deliverables. You know, everybody goes, well, hold on, that's, that's all good, but I don't want to, I don't want that to affect me, my, my fiefdom, right? So there's the organization. Howard, I think you're hitting on the key point, which we'll address, which is the data itself. And then we got to think through the processes that actually matter, the ones that are actually going to move us into this next gen model. And, and I saw this a lot at Gartner, right? When, when we went and spoke with people all the time, they, they, they get the idea of consolidating data. They get the idea of maybe new processes, but Ray, org, organization, people, you know, everything begins to come apart when we start there. So, so what do we do? Where, where, what, do you, what do you see there? Well, there's multiple approaches to any challenge that you face in business. And I'm a data-driven person, right? I love metrics and benchmarks. The, the formation of RevOps Square in my company was how can we use metrics to better align the go-to-market organizations, marketing, sales, and customer success. So the first thing we did, Alistair, was we created this revenue performance metrics framework. Mm. And it looks at those performance metrics that investors care about, that CEOs and CFOs care about because it drives enterprise value. And then go-to-market leaders can directly impact with the leading indicators that they own. And we looked at first at capital efficiency because the thing about this SaaS business is for every dollar that you invest in the customer acquisition, retention, and expansion programs, how much ARR can you predictably return? That's the capital efficiency. So we have a capital efficiency component to this framework. Then we look at customer acquisition efficiency. What's the most effective channels, process, et cetera, to drive new customer ARR? Then we move to customer retention. How do we measure highly effective, inefficient customer retention? Things like gross dollar retention. Then we move to customer expansion. The holy grail of this recurring revenue business is if we can add more ARR to an existing customer, we know it's 2.5 times cheaper. So the fourth component is customer expansion efficiency. 
then we move to what most heads of sales who become CROs think about, and that's the revenue productivity metrics. How much ARR per rep? What's my overall quota achievement? What's yeah. my close rate? Because even things like close rate is such a hundred years ago kind of measurement. That's great. But even if I close 50% of the deals, if I'm losing 20 cents on every deal, who cares? Yeah. So I start efficiency and work backwards. So that's our approach. I, and I love the, and I, and I want everybody really to double click on this efficiency notion. Because we have come off of 10 years of growth at all cost frameworks where things like my CAC numbers can be completely upside down. I can look at my cost to book numbers and nobody worries about optimizing them. I can look at my, you know, as long as my ARR is going up, even ARPU, you know, is one of those where I say there hasn't been enough attention on that. So Ray, I think your efficiency framework is so critical for that. And, and Howard, I just even think of, you know, we, we talk with a lot of investment banks right now. We talk with others in the, in the community. And, you know, there's a lot of shift towards what Ray's talking about, this efficiency and the unit economics. At the end of the day, it's all, all about the unit economics. And, and you start to see the growth at all costs model today under quite a bit of stress and strain. And you're looking at investment banks, you're looking at VCs and private equity firms that are finally moving back to multiples that historically made more sense. Well, in order to make more sense and, and to have that have that sort of multiple, you have to be driving an efficient business with an effective motion, right? And so how do we do that today? Well, you have to focus on the KPIs that Ray uh, has spoken about. And really every day I, as a CEO, need to be thinking about my unit economics, my, the metrics that matter most. That should drive every decision I make. Because at the end of the day, if I'm not paying attention to that, then my business is going astray and I'm going to hit difficult times. So, you know, Ray, who's responsible for those metrics? How do you get CEOs to drink the Kool-Aid? Because they've been just, hey, we'll just throw more people at it, more tools at it. We're not going to worry about what the return on those investments are. How do you get them on board? Yeah, I always like to start where it matters the most. And it's typically in how does their investor or their board of directors measure their company's enterprise value. Let me give you a simple example. A year ago, we talked about growth at any cost. The growth rate, that was the number one factor that impacted enterprise value to revenue models. And using something called the R squared, which is how much impact you have from one variable to a second variable, it was around about a 0.5. So almost the most um, impact you could have on enterprise value. The rule of 40, which measures growth rate plus EBITDA, mm -hmm. right? And so it looks at more profitable growth, had a 0.06 R squared factor. So it was almost eight times less. Two months ago, the growth rate factor is about 38.38, so not that much lower, but rule of 40 is up to about 0.36 to 0.37. So the way I would get CEOs and CFOs on board is say, let's look at how your investors, whether it's a VC, a private equity, or even the public company investors are applying those enterprise value to revenue models. I think that's where it starts, Howard. 
And then we would go to what are the other metrics that we control as the CEO or the CRO that have the most impact on enterprise value? Because we all are thinking about either maximizing our current public company stock value or how do I make my company worth the most in the next round or if we get bought by a PE firm or we go public. The second most important factor is net dollar retention, mm -hmm. a holy grail metric of the recurring revenue business model, which is you look at that a cohort of customers from a year ago that are eligible for renew now, how, what percentage of ARR do you keep from that existing, including down sales and churns, <clears throat> plus upsell or cross-sell or expansion ARR? where it used to be maybe 102, 103% was pretty good. Now the new model is 120, 130%, and it's about a 0.24 factor on enterprise value to revenue model. So if you talk to a CEO and a CFO that way, Howard, and also let the CRO basically know your stock that's worth you know, $2.05 today could be worth $6.08 if we can just get your CAC payback period and our net dollar retention up. So that's the way I would talk to them, Howard. Just get it, just get it up, huh? Just that's all. That's all they need to do. So, yeah. but Ray, it is a culture change, right? When you have a company that's been, you know, raised two, three, six hundred million dollars to grow at all costs, and have just been just going right, throwing headcount, spending every dollar that they have. How do you how do you walk in and start to talk about? you know, CAC ratios and, and, and net retention. How, how do you change the culture of the company? Because it, it doesn't happen overnight and we're seeing rifts all over the place. We're seeing down rounds starting to happen. We're starting to see a lot of really scary stuff. How, how do you, from, from the benchmarking perspective, go in and say, look, everything has to change? Um, no magic elixir. It starts from the top, right? So typically the CEO, if he or she doesn't have the relation, they get it from their investors when they raised at a $2.5 billion 20x you know, revenue a year and a half ago, and they need that series C or series D, and they're realizing that their multiple is 5x. Why? Because they don't have the right metrics. So I start with making sure the CEO and CFO are aligned to why this is important, how it impacts enterprise value. Then what we do is we go in and say, okay, with our framework, let's take um, cap payback period. What are the top three to four leading indicators that directly impact the CAC payback period, which is one of the top five enterprise value creating metrics? So we, we look at that and we bring in the head of sales or head of marketing or head of customer success and say, well, if we could actually decrease our cost per dollar of pipeline, that could actually elevate our cat payback period performance. Second might be win rate or conversion rates. What's my conversion rate from a stage two qualified opportunity to a stage five? If I improve that by 10%, that's going to reduce my cat payback period by two months. And here's how an investor looks at that. So I always, Howard, try to, and this is a little complicating, but I look at that lagging indicator that the investors care about, like cat payback period. And I have a framework that says, what are the top three, no more than five leading indicators or input variables that have direct causal impact on that? And then the VP of sales can say, ah, so if I increase my win rate by 5% and increase my ACV by 
3%, here's how it impacts KBAC period. They actually have now some orientation to why it matters to the investors. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It really does, Ray. I think it's there. And I and I want people listening in here. Like we're talking about the efficiency. We're talking about helping them map these core metrics. And I think you know, we can just map out a little bit of well, what are examples of those, right? Like you made the win rate is a great one, Ray. And now I got a reference back to my old life on the analyst world that uh, uh, of what we used to do. But you know, win rates is a great one where you sit and go, look, average companies are 35%, awesome companies are sitting around 57%. And then you look at things like churn rates. Churn rates often are 37% on bad companies, 17% on good companies. And, and all of these numbers, they have degrees of change. And I think it's really important for people to know how they compare on those things as well. And that's what I like what you're doing on the benchmarking side, because they, a lot of people get complacent with average. And right now there isn't value in average, right? Yeah. Can we double click on that? And I'd love to get yeah. Howard's feedback on this also, because every recurring revenue company has their own company specific attributes. Of yes. course, the size of the company, the average annual contract value because of 5k ACV is very different metrics um, yeah. benchmarks than a 100k your product type because the cybersecurity believe it or not has different benchmarks than a vertical industry application mm -hmm. the um, actual go-to-market motion if you're a product-led company which is very popular today in the SaaS and cloud industry versus a sales-led your performance metrics and the associated benchmarks change. So the most important yeah. thing that I talk to anyone who's like interested in benchmarking is if you hear industry average net dollar retention is 104%, clog your ears and say, yeah, but what about a company that like mine has this, 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 and this attribute? And there are benchmarks out there and that's how you see how you measure up, not against average, and, and even the word average or mean is dangerous. You need to look at the median. You know, if you have 100 companies, where where is that median or 50th percentile? And if I want to get into the top quartile or the top 25 percentile, where do I need to be? That's the way you need to benchmark yourselves. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think what you're talking about, just like we, we, we talk about hyper-personalization, right? Or situational awareness or context aware, each company is different. And each company has very different products, services, go-to-market strategies. And it's critical that as CEOs of our organizations that we understand the drivers towards that enterprise value. We understand you know, what, what are the things that are going to impact our free cash flow. People used to not talk about free cash flow. Free cash flow is super important. EBITDA, right? Like EBITDA, wow. Who would have thought talking about EBITDA, it was you know, coming back into favor. Well, these are things that you have to be thinking about in terms of the health of your business. Now, what are all those early indicators that will help you get there? You talked about rule of 40. We talked about uh, ARR. We're talking about retention. There's a lot of different pieces, but if I compare myself to a product-led growth company and say, hey, my go-to-market is far more expensive. I'm, I'm out, of, out of range. Of course, I'm out of range. I have to pay a sales team and a customer success team and, and you know, uh, sales engineers. They don't have to do any of that. So it, it is important to look at the model and look at their benchmarks because if you do want to shift from a sales-led 
to a product led, you have to understand, well, your marketing dollars are going to shift as well. So you may not have as many salespeople, but you got to get a lot of people on that product early and you got to get user adoption. So it's really important to really understand your business is not just the average of everybody else's business. You know, I could geek out on this all day long, so I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but, you know. Geek out, about that's why you're here. You're here to geek yeah. out on B2B SaaS metrics. We talk about customer acquisition efficiency, right? And it's really efficacy because it's how effective it is and then how efficient it is, right? So, but that's not a an isolated single organization. It's not sales who's responsible for that. So in our framework, we say, okay, you might want to know what your CAC ratio is, which is how much sales and marketing investment do you need to put in place to get $1 of ARR? In the benchmark right now, industry average, which I said just don't use, is about $1.46 of sales and marketing investment to get $1 of ARR growth. Yep. Now, first of all, well, how much does it cost me to get $1 of ARR growth from an existing customer, which we call the expansion cap ratio versus $1 of ARR from a new logo? Now, what's interesting is it costs at median 61 cents for a SaaS company to add a new dollar of ARR from an existing customer, whether that's upsell, cross-sell, or expansion, where it's about $1.70 of sales and marketing investment to add $1 of new name customer ARR. So now I look at that and I'm like, if I'm the CEO, I might look at my product team and say, well, we only have one package or product in our portfolio. Do we invest more money in three more features for the existing product? Or do we think about expanding it or repackaging it to sell a new adjacent product to my existing customer? That may or may not be the right strategy, but if I'm a CEO and investors, I know it's 2.5 times more efficient to grow an existing customer. I might think about making that capital investment. Yeah, well, I fully agree. Look, we're, we're a company that has five unique products in market. Each product is not just to add additional revenue coming in. It literally is adding more value. So there's a twofold effect. One, yes, your cost of expansion is lower. But your reduction in churn is amazing because you're adding so much more value with each of these products that they don't want to be without you. They, they can't even imagine running their business without all of the product and, and value you bring to them and their customers. So that's where, so it not only impacts the cost of acquisition, but it impacts your retention rate. So yes, go understand your customers and deliver more value. Yes. Howard, you just said something. It's so important. And most companies, even up to 50 million ARR, this is a real miss that a lot of companies have. And it's cohort or segment based analysis of these metrics we're talking about. Because an organization may say, okay, my CAC payback period is 18 months. I'm a 100K product. I'm pretty good because median is 24 for that size company, right? But now they said, but we're not growing as fast. We think we've saturated our target market that we're in today. Let's say it's the enterprise market. So to think about going down market a little bit and they go to mid market or, well, we're pretty good here in the United States. So let's go to Europe, right? Because that doubles the adjustable market, but they don't measure their customer acquisition efficiency in that new market. So all they know is two quarters later, 
our cap payback period just went up three months. And it's like, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? And it's like, well, let's go look at our mid-market. Well, that seems to be okay. Oh, it's the front end loaded of the enterprise motion that we're not repeatable yet, right? And then they're like three months, six months into it. Well, we better kill that market because it's killing our overall efficiency metric, where if they had done that calculation up front, they would have known that this is going to impact our overall. But let's see how we maintain our enterprise market CAC payback period, CAC efficiency, and measure mid-market separately. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Ray and Howard. And when you think about, let's just tie this back to the immediacy of the market we're in right now. In terms of when people look at market segments, if I boil it down to the most simplistic thing in terms of market opportunity, generally, until you're 3x the size of your closest competitor, there's probably some more room for you. And on top of that, and that's a very simple statement, but people always want to find more. They want to invent new. They want to push into another place. And given that the potential R word is being thrown around of recession coming up, it's very important that people understand that like in every previous economic downturn, you take the last four cycles, the single best growth companies all had one thing in common. 84% of the revenue came from the existing base and learning how to grow the base. They know how to reduce the cost of that. They know how to grow inside of where they are. They understand the core of the market that they are in. And so I can't emphasize enough for people as they go forwards. It's all great to think about all of these, what we call growth bets of new things you can go do. It simply is not an attribute of what makes successful companies generally going forwards. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we want to jump, to jump to a part two here as well on the data side, but let's just land the plane here in terms of the, the most critical metrics to change these orgs and the culture. And Ray, you said you had five favorites. So let's let's close out on what are your five favorite metrics in terms of how to help the CRO be the most effective they can in times of economic duress. Yeah, and, and I'll couch this with never be a slave to a single or even two metrics because there are trade-offs between one metric and the other. But when I bring those pillars of enterprise value together, capital efficiency, customer acquisition efficiency, retention and expansion efficiency, and revenue productivity. These are the five, and it's really six, um, but I cheat and, and say it's five because one is combined. So number one is your retention rate, both your gross dollar retention rate, how are you maintaining your existing customer ARR, and then the net dollar retention rate which is you take the retention plus the upsell, cross-sell, or expansion motion. So that's two metrics, but all in the retention rate bucket, net and gross dollar retention. Second, CAC payback period. And the reason I use CAC payback period, which measures you know, how much is your average customer acquisition cost divided by what's your average contract value for a new customer on a gross margin adjusted basis, so we're getting to some profitability. That's really important because it's multivariate and it does factor in at least cost of goods sold profitability. Third, CAC ratio. And a lot of people don't understand the CAC ratio. They're like, well, is that like sales efficiency or is that like the SAS magic number? I'm like, no, 
because those measure overall sales and marketing investment against overall CAR growth. CAR growth. CAC ratio measures how much sales and marketing investments being made to get $1 of new versus how much sales and marketing investment is being allocated to expansion to get $1 of expansion. So CAC ratio is number three. The fourth is customer lifetime value to CAC. And without going into the details of how you calculate that, it adds one more variable to the customer journey efficiency, and that is churn rate. So you look at how many, what percentage of your customers are here after one, two, three, five years. What's their contribution on a gross margin basis? And how much did it cost you to acquire that customer? It used to be a three X to one benchmark was pretty good. You got three times as much customer lifetime value to a dollar of CAC investment. Now it's four X. Best in class companies are five X. So that CLTV to CAC ratio is my fourth one. And then my fifth one, and I'm not going to back off this, is your CARR growth. Because if you've got good churn metrics and good customer acquisition, if you're still growing in that 30, 40, 50%, the amount of cash that spins off over five, 10 years is music to an investor's ear. So net dollar and gross dollar retention, CAC payback period, CAC ratio, CLTV to CAC ratio, and your C committed ARR growth. Nice job. Those are definitely five strong ones. I definitely, in the next segment, want to jump into some of the components of CAC because I think people throw it all together. There's sales, there's marketing, there's sales development, there's customer retention. Like th Those are important too. And so I want to break out CAC and look at the individual pieces of it in the next segment. I'm ready to do it. Let's do it. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Ray. Hey, if you love this, please remember, like, subscribe, send us your questions. We will see you on part two, where we get into the how-to. Thanks so much.